Neverland is brought to you by MyPodcastReviews.com. Check our affiliate link right there in the show notes or on our website to go and join an account. If you happen to have a podcast and you want to see your reviews you get from around the world, from every different possible place that someone could be listening and reviewing your podcast, you need to create an account. It's very inexpensive, very affordable. MyPodcastReviews.com. They'll even help you create a link where people can review your podcast very easily that you can put right into your show notes. Once again, MyPodcastReviews.com. The following production is part of the We Be Geeks Podcast Collective. All this has happened before. Hey kids, Townsend Coleman here, the voice of Michelangelo from the original Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Tom Kane, this is the voice of Yoda on Star Wars. Hey yo, it's Wopat, and a big yee to you all. I used to be Luke Duke. Hi, my name is Oli Shoshan. I play Jedi Master Shakti. Hi, Butch Patrick here, Eddie Munster. Hi, this is Jim. Hi, this is Bill Farmer. You're listening to the Neverland Podcast. Welcome to Neverland, to Disney and beyond. And it will all happen again. And now your head lost boy, the Spider Pan. Walk on the eyes of East Pan. Jeremy. Take your pixie out of your pockets, Neverlanders, and sprinkle some pixie dust around, thinking the happy, happy, happy thoughts. And hey, Eric is doing what Philip likes to do and acting it out. <laughs> but we're going to fly to Hello. Neverland. <laughs> So, yeah, Philip has gotten to a habit when I record live in person with him. He's doing his sprinkle things he's doing. And now, Eric, we're on camera and he is doing the same thing. (laughs) (laughs) So it has become tradition that while I say it, somebody has to act it out. There we go. Yeah, there we go. But hey there, it's Lost Boy Eric. We haven't talked to you in uh, it's been a little while. Yeah, yeah, it definitely has been. Uh, Life is just crazy. Indeed, indeed. And, well, I even got a few crazy stories to share, speaking of that. Because so, <laughs> uh, life has been kind of nuts. And this is going to be a, an episode that's kind of long coming. There's some stuff I've meant to do. We're going to begin our first dive into a book I actually found at the Salvation Army Thrift Store. And it's 20 Years of Magic from Walt Disney World. Because, hey, Eric, did you know that Walt Disney World is turning 50 this year? Is it? Yes, indeed. I oh, wonder, my goodness. I wonder what is happening on October 1st at Disney World. I bet it's something awesome. And I bet I won't be able to be there to check it out. Well, neither will I. <laughs> yeah. And I bet limited capacity means a lot of people won't be there. <laughs> but maybe by October, things will get better. I actually got my vaccine. Well, my first vaccination shot. Oh, good. That's good. Of, you know, being a diabetic, I'm in that tier. I actually just went last Saturday. And, okay, yes, I know my biology teacher wife reminded me that the vaccine doesn't take any effect right away. But I found it comical that, uh, so after you get your shot, we went over to another room where uh, I had to wait 15 minutes there in a chair. And then other people have to wait half an hour because they want to just make sure you're not having any any immediate side effects. You know, they're keeping an eye on us. There was a large crowd Mm -hmm. there. But they had us go into a room. We still had to wear our masks and we still had to keep six feet apart. And they gave us a little yellow post-it note. And when we get up out of the chair, we're supposed to leave a yellow post-it note in the chair so they can oh. come and sanitize it right afterward. And part of me would and joked in my own head. It's like, but wait, aren't we all vaccinated? Are we, aren't we, are we worried about the next person to sit down after us? Because they just got a vaccination. But yes, I know vaccinations don't actually kick in that fast. But I thought it was funny. But was <laughs> what was kind of weird, though, is so I'm sitting there and I'm starting to play a game on my phone. A man and a woman come in, 
and there's not chairs available that they can find for them to sit, you know, six feet apart next to each other. So she sits in one seat, and he sits six feet apart next to me on my right behind her. Now, after a little bit, the guy, the, they sanitize the chair next to the guy's wife. He gets up out of his chair and goes and sits in this other chair. I was like, wait a minute. Didn't, didn't we all get through the lecture? Okay. Of when you get out of a chair, they want to sanitize it, which kind of says to me, when you sit in a chair, stay there. And I even tried to flag at a, at a, yeah. a guy who was sanitizing, cleaning. I'm like, hey, you might want to sanitize this because he just moved chairs and they didn't pay attention to me. And I'm sure the guy in front of me heard it and he says, oh, he should have said something. Been like, yeah, I did. Yeah, you might want to sanitize that one. But so, yeah. <laughs> what can you do? What can you do? Uh, so have you had anything well, weird happen to you? No, I've, uh, I've actually been doing a bit of traveling lately. Uh, getting out, seeing this great world, seeing a lot of the what's around us. Uh, a few weeks ago, I was back in Florida. A couple of weeks ago, I was in California. And this past weekend, I was in Las Vegas. So uh, I'm... Uh, Putting some miles in. Yeah, and we're definitely going to talk about you visiting California when we get to something up later, because oh, I want to yes. know what all you saw and everything, because woohoo, there's, <laughs> there's some good news coming out of California here lately, so it'll yes, there right is. in there. there. Is. Well, you know, speaking of turkeys flying out of elevators, I've realized when I thought about it, it's like, okay, so we have a guy who's clearly, um, oh, I can't remember the dude's name. Well, there's clearly a Johnny Fever, and there's clearly somebody who's the other guy who's like the late-night smooth guy. I can't remember his name. Uh, that was on different. Gotcha. But uh, I sit at the news desk. My primary job is news and weather, which uh, makes me realize, dang it, I'm Les Nessman. <laughs> <laughs> so I might be the one throwing turkeys out of the helicopter if we had gotcha. one. Gotcha. <laughs> oh, but anyway, so that's the crazy nonsense that's going on. Because any other crazy stuff is the fact that I actually lost my wedding ring at the Cameron Walmart after uh, oh, going no. shopping a day after work. And I thought I would find it after all the snow melted. It snows this white stuff that falls when you're not in Arizona. And I I've heard about it. <laughs> but I thought I would hopefully find it when the snow melted. I didn't. It's probably just gone and lost to the ages. So oh, my wife says, oh, well, we can get another one. I'm like, yeah, but it's not the same. So... But uh, we know clearly what we've been watching on Disney Plus, other than the Muppet Show, and we're going to talk a little bit about that. Plus, WandaVision having a season finale. We're going to talk about that at the end of the show. That way, if you haven't watched it, you can just skip that part because I don't want to spoil anything. But we might get a little spoilery. But I've added yes. something new that I figured during our host chatter times. What have you been playing? And I, I want to brag on myself that I managed to complete both Portal games. Well, I guess I shouldn't say complete, because you know, to a completionist, that means doing everything. I finished right. the main story parts of the game on both of those. And if you've never played those, it's, you're, it's challenging, it's puzzling, and it's, both of them are very, very funny if you have a dark sense of humor, and I do. <laughs> so have you ever played any Portal games? I like my cake as it is. Yeah, because the cake is a lie. And I don't know anyone named Glados. <laughs> don't know anyone named Glados. Well, <laughs> yeah, I guess be thankful you don't because that's uh, Glados really, really uh, likes to test on humans, and it's not good. <laughs> that's what I hear. That's what I hear. It is fairly oh, but, uh, inexpensive on playing... Steam, by the way. Are you playing anything good? Uh, I recently picked up uh, Lego DC Super Villains. Nice. And I've completed the uh, the main storyline. Um, and I'm just starting to get into all of the extras, the figures and the 
races and the searches and you know the lo- the, the the little things that they pepper throughout um, before I do my second replay through with all of my characters and all of my abilities. But uh, no, it, it's a lot of fun. It picks up uh, kind of where uh, Traveler's Tales had gone with. Uh, Lego Avenger or Lego Marvel Superheroes 2. It's a very big open world that you're in um, with uh, items that you have to search for and look for, collect uh, certain tasks that you have to do outside of the main game, which, you know, for me has been a lot of fun just being able to explore. And yeah, it's a kid's game, but there's enough there to, you know, make it fun and interesting for adults, which is one of the things that I really like about all of the Lego games. Um, Lego Incredibles is very much the same way as well, and I uh, need to focus on that a little bit more myself. Um, But yeah, just a lot of fun and uh, a lot of enjoyable stuff going on with it. Although, you know what? I I, I got myself something interesting the other day. It's called a schmog. A what? And a schmog. It's something that's used in Asia and the Middle East to kind of help cool down your body temperature. Huh. And, you know, there's, there's, you know, the main reason I got it is uh, when I was playing uh, Uncharted 3, when uh, Nathan Drake goes out in the desert, he's got that shawl on. And yeah. I thought, huh, that looks interesting. So I got myself one. <laughs> Makes so sense. So there's, there's games affecting my real life. Well, yeah, I mean, you live in the desert. So <laughs> <laughs> Seems to be a good plan. Yes. Yeah. Uh, you know, speaking of that Marvel superheroes too, I think I actually on a PlayStation sale, I think I actually picked that up a digital copy for a couple of bucks. I haven't mm-hmm. even finished the first one and I keep getting sidetracked on other stuff. <laughs> and speaking of being sidetracked, cause like I was playing final fantasy 15, it was starting to get a little repetitive cause I'm doing so many little side missions on it that are a lot of hunt this down and kill it, hunt this down, and kill it. I've been doing that so much that I needed a break, which is how I ended up playing the portal games on my PC. Cause I actually figured out I could, plug my PlayStation controller into the PC and play it that way. Ah, yeah. So, uh, but I've also, in the meantime, and maybe you saw me doing this yesterday, because I think you, I saw you came online on the, on the Nintendo Switch, but I picked back up Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild. Ah, yes. And I'm, I'm tr- this time, this sitting, finally finish it, because I, I did finish one Guardian in the uh, Zora's Domain, the mm-hmm. uh, Ruta Elephant Guardian. Yes. So Varuta. Yeah, and the, you get some pretty nice items when you do that, and that's really helped. So I'm kind of like, you know, all right, here we go. Let's. I'm. I feel like I'm making progress, so I might be able to keep at it. But I really want to play Final Fantasy 15 at the same time. So I'm probably going to play Legend of Zelda, <laughs> and then when my wife wants to take the Switch away to play Stardew Valley some more, I'll play Final Fantasy 15. <laughs> Well, I got to tell you, Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild is one of the best games I have ever played. And, uh, you know, there there are um, apps and things out there to help you track down your items, uh, should you need any assistance like that. Um, <laughs> I but, got like uh, five Valuta... tabs open. <laughs> Where are the shrines? Where are the fairy fountains? How do I get a Hylian shield? <laughs> I got all kinds of tabs open. So I keep coming over to the computer and looking stuff up. <laughs> but yes, that that was actually the same first divine beast that I was able to beat, um, and and the the power up that you get with it is great. Um, all of the power ups that you get as you do meet uh, meet these divine beasts are incredible, and you do have an opportunity to increase their uh, resiliency through the downloadable content through the DLC. So yeah. that might be something you'd want to look into. I already but, did. Uh, <laughs> There you go. I forked over about 20 bucks. <laughs> Get a bunch of extra DLC. 
<laughs> but one of, one of the great things I like about Breath of the Wild is you can go right up against Ganon right from the very, well, not from the very beginning, but once you can get off the plateau, you're more than welcome to march right on up to Hyrule Castle and, and, get and take on. <laughs> yeah, you, you good chance you'll get killed. But, you know, you don't have that, you, you, without that linear playthrough of going through and ensuring that you're picking up all of the bonuses, all of the extra hearts, all of the... Uh, magic containers, everything that you see in a normal traditional Zelda game, you do have the option. You know, if you want to take a Kuoko uh, and have Ganon attack that, well, right there you go. Mm, well, I have not come across any Kuokos yet. <laughs> They're around. Mm. They're around. Uh, oh, so, but definitely. You... I just remembered something weird that I forgot to mention that I was going to mention. But oh, yeah, you had some more. Oh no! Go ahead. Go ahead. Well, uh, so a weird, another weird thing I've actually been doing uh, over the past couple weeks. Okay, so working in a radio station, I'm part time, three hours a day. I still qualify as being underemployed right now, so I needed to find more employment because I don't know that I'm going to get to go full time at the radio station anymore. So, what I started doing is I'm training with a company called Epic Productions that does wedding videos and wedding photography, which I'll be able to do oh. on Saturdays. Now, mm -hmm. they wanted me to go through some training. Now, the, the first few rounds of training was going over everything that I've already got a degree in. Yes, I know how to do this. Yes, I know how to white balance, da 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 But there's been a whole thing on how you want to properly pose things at a wedding. Which, for that, uh -huh. I need a group. And they he wanted me to have a group of about six to eight people. Mm -hmm. Well, that's kind of hard to just get around to just get six to eight people to model for you. So what I've been doing, and I have some videos of some of this, uh, these uh, the Masters of the Universe origin figures, I've been posing mm -hmm. them. I've also posed some uh, Avengers uh, Disney Infinity figures. Uh, I've posed some plushes, uh, some Disney plushes, <laughs> different ways <laughs> to simulate how I would be getting the shot for the videos I'm going to be shooting at weddings. So, yes, uh -huh. I am bizarre, but it, it's make for some really funny video if you think about it. Because <laughs> I have, you know, I have to have, here's uh, this certain type of light, making sure you're using a, a, one of the thirds. And like, well, here's He-Man, mm -hmm. and he wants to be in the third because he wants to look powerful. Well, you know, Yeah, I'm, I'm, there are, there's something wrong with me, but it's probably <laughs> not that bad. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm a little goofy, but it's, you know, why not, right? <laughs> Ah, <laughs> uh, but anyways, unless we have anything else to dive into, I figured we better just jump into the news. Spanning the Disney and Geek Universe to bring you the best in comics, toys, movies, and entertainment. This is news from around Neverland. So, okay, we mentioned October 1st is going to be, of course, the 50th anniversary of Walt Disney World. Right. But uh, this announcement came, actually, Tuesday, March 9th, as I'm sitting here. Remy's Ratatouille Adventure Grand Opening at Epcot set for October 1st, 2021 in honor of Walt Disney World's Resort's 50th anniversary coming straight from the Disney Parks blog. Yeah, of course, we kind of knew this was coming, but it's like, here's the announcement, you know? <laughs> right. 
Yeah, I personally would have liked to have seen it, uh, you know, open up now during the Flower and Garden Festival. Yeah. Uh, help take care of some of the crowds that are coming in. But you know what? Opening it on October 1st helps draw away some of the crowds from Magic Kingdom that are going to be there that day. So <laughs> Yeah. And uh, as it as it says directly here, I'm reading this. And oh, wait, there's more. Also opening October 1st will be La Crêperie de Paris, a new restaurant offering both table and quick service options. The menu will feature sweet crepes, savory buckwheat gelettos, naturally gluten-friendly, and authentic French hard cider. So, we've got, of course, and of course, you know, when you're going to have a ratatouille thing, you got to have some new foods anyway, right? Oh yeah, well they 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 currently do already sell crepes in uh, in the French pavilion. Yeah. Um, it's just now it's going to have this dedicated spot where you know hopefully they can have a a much more robust menu. The the crepes that they currently have are you can get them plain, you can get them with strawberries, you can get them with Nutella, and you can get them with ice cream. Mm. Which uh, my daughter really loved the ice cream. <laughs> of course, it's ice but, cream. Uh, Exactly. Well, it's ice cream in a in a freshly prepared crepe. Yeah. So, uh, you know, very very good, very good. But uh, now I got to wander around a little back into the uh, area where the Ratatouille ride is going to be. Uh, they they still have a section of it walled off where no one can go, which is where the creperie is. Um, you see, my my daughter's been taking French this year, and she you know has informed me the proper way. I can't just say crepe; it's crepe. Crepe. So, uh, <laughs> but they 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 do have some some of the walkway open and some of the area and uh, some restrooms that are sorely needed in that part of the park, <laughs> uh, currently in a- available. And also as you ride the Skyliner, you can get a good view down into that section of the park as well, uh, to see some of the, the gardens that they've created, uh, and see where the extended queue is going to be. at. So interesting to look into it. You know, uh, again, you know, I'm kind of, Ooh, why do they have to wait until October because everything's in there ready to go. They've been doing cast previews of it, but oh well, we, we shall eventually get to ride our rat ride. Yeah. In a way, it makes sense. Now, I don't know if the drop coaster is going to be ready by then. Uh, I heard there was some delays in the construction due to, of course, the uh, pandemic. Uh, yeah, yeah. I don't know if They're... anything's gotten picked back up. I haven't heard anything since. They, they have nearly finished outdoor construction for the roller coaster. And, uh, you know, when I, oh, and here we go, I'm traveling again this weekend, I'll be there uh, this weekend, and uh, hopefully I'll see, uh, you know, what their current progress is like, at least as far as we can tell from, say, Tomorrowland or the Tomorrowland Speedway. Ah, goody. So, yes, you'll be able to let us know what you see. Take some more photos, because right. I actually took some pretty fun photos over, speaking of Disneyland. Uh, I actually found <laughs> uh, some reopening information, because, yes, they are slowly trying to open up Disneyland a little bit. And here are some notes that they had. It's a phased reopening. Uh, and right here on uh, through the uh, the blog, I went into an experience update on Disneyland.Disney.Go.com. It says the downtown Disney district and Buena Vista Street are open with select retail dining locations. Buena Vista Street remains open for guests through March 14th, and it will close March 15th to prepare for the upcoming A Touch of Disney experience. A Touch of Disney, right. a new ticketed experience at Disney California Adventure Park, will make its debut beginning March 18th. Tickets for this experience go on sale March 4th. They're on sale now and must be purchased online in advance only for a specific date, 
subject to availability. And I've got another link set up for it to talk about Touch of Disney, but I'll, I'll get to that in a second. Because uh, also says the hotels of the Disneyland Resort remain closed and will reopen at a later date. Disneyland Park and Disney California Adventure Park remain closed and will reopen at a later date pending state and local government approvals. Upon reopening, certain parks, hotels, restaurants, attractions, experiences, and other offerings will be modified or unavailable, will have limited capacity, and will be subject to limited availability or even closure, and parking mission and offerings are not guaranteed. The Disney Investor Call was held earlier today, in which uh, Bob Chapek did announce that they are looking at a reopening of Disneyland towards the end of April. Yeah, I was hearing no something about that. No specific date yet. Yeah, nothing specific. Yep, uh, but this touch of Disney. So this, what this is? Okay, so introductory ticket price for guests ages three and over is seventy-five dollars. But this ticket includes parking for the experience at the Mickey and Friends parking structure, which begins at eleven thirty a.m. A twenty-five dollar a touch of Disney dining card redeemable for food and non-alcoholic beverages at select dining locations within the Disneyland Resort, subject restrictions including not being valid for alcohol purchases. Uh, unlimited digital downloads of Disney Photo Pass photos captured during day of the experience. Disney Photo Pass is subject to the Disney Photo Pass terms and expiration policy. Online registration is required. Dates, ticket availability, and prices for the Touch of Disney experience will be released on a rolling basis until the experience ends. Please keep checking back for most up-to-date details, it says. But those tickets were supposed to have gone on sale on the 4th. So if you're going to be in the California area, and I guess the reason why they're calling it a Touch of Disney is because you get a little bit of an experience, but not the whole experience. Right. You're you're paying for the privilege to go a little bit further into uh, California Adventure than what has currently opened. Uh, you're paying for the privilege to buy some merchandise and the privilege to eat some food. All right. So now we have some weird news. That uh, now, of course, everybody's been talking about this. This this and it was announced on Dr. Seuss's birthday, National Read Day, or it's a reading day, that certain Dr. Seuss books were taking off of the National Readers Registry, and I wanted to read out for you what those books are and see if these are books that anyone's familiar with. They are, and to think I saw it on Mulberry Street, if I ran the zoo, Begeliot's Pool. On Beyond a Zebra, Scrambled Egg Super, and The Cat's Quizzer. Now, the official statement said these books portray people in ways that are hurtful and wrong. I would like to see these images to see what they're talking about, but apparently there might have been some sort of stereotype. Now, my personal opinion, when things are drawn in a cartoonish fashion, it is caricature. There are people of all types that are drawn in cartoons that look silly. I mean, let's look at Elmer Fudd and even Shmee and Captain Hook. There's just, there's three, you know. So Dr. Seuss had definitely a certain style. It was very whimsical. It's very silly. Uh, so personally, I don't, I don't want to see what's supposed to be so offensive. It is what it is. But those were mm-hmm. the books that suddenly now, the the way that Dr. Seuss would draw in his whimsical, silly style was is now considered to be offensive. Mm-hmm. Have you read any of those books? Uh, my grandparents had McGilligan's Pool, and I remember reading through it uh, many times over at their home. I don't remember specifically any um, any issue there, uh, but uh, as I've looked into it, apparently it makes reference to Eskimos, and it shows fish wearing uh, parkas, fur-hooded parkas. 
And that's now offensive. Uh, apparently. Well, apparently we're supposed to say Inuit uh, as a specific people. Uh, so right. I guess that's now what's offensive and okay. There's also been a lot of concerns over Potato Head. So uh, here's the quote from Hasbro's tweet. said, hold that taut. Your main spud, Mr. Potato Head, isn't going anywhere. While it was announced today that the Potato Head brand name and logo were dropping the Mr., I yam proud to confirm that Mr. and Mrs. Potato Head aren't going anywhere and will remain Mr. and Mrs. Potato Head. And they had a photo of the packaging, and it says Mr. Potato Head and Mrs. Potato Head down in the corner, but they're, they're just changing their logo and their brand thing to be Potato Head. Now, to me, I don't know if this is some sort of weird canceling thing. To me, it makes sense, because... Potato heads have been, you've got Darth Potato and Iron Potato. There's been superheroes and pop culture characters. I mean, before Funko was all over the place, there was Potato Heads popping up. And so they haven't all been Mr. Potato Head. They've been Darth Vader Potato Head and Spider-Man Potato Head and Wonder Woman Potato Head. So I'm just like... Uh, excuse me, I, I think you mean I think you mean Darth Tater well, yeah. and Spider-Yam. You know what I mean. No. <laughs> so I mean it's Hey, I'm 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 an Idaho boy. Potatoes are go. my thing. <laughs> so I don't really see this as being problematic to people. you know, to me, it's like they're just making potatoes characters like they always have. And whether it was done for some sort of other, you know, quote unquote woke reason or not, I don't know. But that's the that's what Hasbro officially put out. And I'm I'm cool with this. It makes sense to me, at least because of how many different kind of potato head characters they've actually put out. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, yeah, it's kind of, kind of like the discussion we had when the uh, new Doctor Who was uh, announced. Um, I don't see any issue with it. It's the Doctor. Exactly. Now, granted, individual episodes in the series itself apparently wasn't that good. To, according to, I, I only read, saw like the first episode of it. I didn't get a chance to watch any further. But it, I kept seeing people saying, oh, my gosh, who's writing this? This is awful. And so I, I wasn't watching because apparently they just the writers uh, went off the deep end. So, but that, that's what I've heard. I haven't had a chance to really see many of the episodes myself. Yeah. So I've been traveling too much. <laughs> yeah, that's my excuse. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't, you know, I don't even have cable anymore. I've shut off everything, and I've just got a few streaming services, and I don't know that I have access to any modern Doctor Who episodes so much anymore. Although I think one of the services ha- does have it, and I know uh, there's this, this the Pluto TV that you can watch for free, and it has, mm-hmm. it has channels that just stream one particular show or the other, which I did learn. If you're if you're having a bit of insomnia, don't find the, the channel that shows nothing but Star Trek The Next Generation, because you won't fall asleep <laughs> to that. You'll end up watching. I had that well, happen, I'll- so... Well, I am happy to report that HBO Max uh, does have uh, Doctor Who available on it, That's all of the current okay. series. So, okay, uh, I've 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 started uh, getting reacquainted back with the uh, uh, the the no, not even David Tennant. Uh, I'm suddenly blanking out on oh, who the, was the Doctor. The, the first one they brought him back. Um, yes, the guy who played Malekith in uh, Thor: The Dark yes. World. Uh, wow. Yes, and he was a good Doctor. I wish they'd have kept him for a little longer. Yeah, he was well, very there's, entertaining. There's a story there. Yes, he was. Yeah, uh, I remember they said that they they wrote it for him specifically just to do like one season, and they didn't really think that he was going to be Christopher Eccleston. Yes, that's it. Yes, 
My wife's, that's still her favorite, but I think she just kind of got locked into him being the doctor, and so she got used to that. And then when he changes to a different actor, it's just like, oh, but I want the other guy back. And like, <laughs> I enjoy them all for their own. They're all each very different and unique in their own way. Yeah, so, they are. They are. But to me, it's it's a potato, and really, the a Mr. Potato Head is just one type of a potato head. Just like a Mrs. Mm-hmm. Potato. They even have a junior potato head, don't they? Have like, you know, baby potato head and something. Yeah, there, there, there was a whole potato head family. In fact, I remember a cartoon series about it back in the 80s. Uh, but uh, my sisters had these uh, younger potato heads where um, they had like a, I think, a fully crafted body that you just put the head into or the, the small potato into. Yeah. So now the, the question, though, of that being... Will we see changes in any Disney parks? I don't anticipate really, you know, but I, I, everybody started posting pictures of the of, of Mr. Potato Head there uh, being in front of the Toy Story uh, shooting gallery. I forgot the actual name. Toy of Story Man- or Midway Mania. Midway Mania. I don't expect to it's see anything insane-ia. change. Right. Because he's still Mr. Potato Head. It doesn't change that he is still Mr. Potato Head. Okay. Right. So right. I think everybody who was freaking out can be can stop. It's fine. It's 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 just a toy. Now some other things in a similar vein because we got some information about Space Jam Two, and because that seems to be in our wheelhouse to talk about old cartoons. Granted, I'm not a huge fan of the original Space Jam. It's okay, but I mean Michael Jordan as an actor is a great basketball player. Know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> and you know it's it's kind of a fun movie, uh, but I I thought, I thought Space Jam was just okay. I know it was super popular, but I, I you know. I didn't get into it as much, so but we got a sequel with LeBron James, and the big talk, and it's been all over the place, but we haven't heard anything directly from Warner Brothers that I've seen about this, but, so, Speedy Gonzalez and Pepe Le Pew are not in there, but these are also the two Looney Tunes characters that are considered problematic, because Speedy Gonzalez is, quote-unquote, cultural appropriation, and a stereotype, although, apparently, a lot of uh, people from that area of the world love the character, he's kind of their... You know, he's, he's their representation. It's not even that. Speedy represents, uh, you know, getting the upper hand against the gringo. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> a little gringo cat. So, and then the other, of course, Pepe Le Pew, which was a parody on French people who are the great romantists, but they uh, apparently at the time, was the, the, the stereotypical joke was that they smell. But he's now supposed to be the, the epitome of rape culture, according to a New York Times writer. And that's just the world we live in. So, of course, everybody has jumped on and said, well, it's those conceptions of those characters are the reason why they're not in the movie. We don't know if that's true or not. We know those oh, there's are those conceptions of characters because that's the world we live in today where mm-hmm. cartoons are now horrible if they're not perfect by modern standards. I, I just don't like seeing everybody's just got to fly out and explode with all kinds of stuff and all kinds of theories and things. Just... Settle down. Either you're interested in the movie or not. <laughs> you know. Right. Personally, I'd rather have them in there because uh, there. I, I even saw somebody was trying to say, well, you know, Pepe's not one of the big major characters. Like I remember Pepe and Speedy Gonzalez both having their own individual T-shirts because there are people, yes, that do love those characters, and I think mm-hmm. they would be disappointed to not see those characters in a newer movie because they're in the original. So yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and a lot of these characters, they were actually caricatures of other people or other figures that were in popular culture at the time. Yeah. You know, the one that comes most readily to my mind is Foghorn Leghorn, <laughs> which was a parody of a senator uh, by the name <laughs> yeah. of Cleghorn. 
uh, who, who who had that uh, way of talking down to you. And uh, now here 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 now, uh, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Um, you know, are are we going to have people from the Bronx upset that there's a rabbit that talks like them? Yeah. You know, it's yeah, they are based on stereotypes, but but you know what? It's it's called caricature. It's where you exactly. do overemphasize things. And I, I've got a picture even on my wall where somebody's kind of done caricature of me, and it doesn't quite look like me. It looks, you know, exaggerated. Because that's what it is, and that's what cartoons are. They just exaggerate things to make it look enough like a certain type, you know. And I think I saw somebody even on Facebook who was who was kind of upset about this, saying, you know, well, stereotypes actually do come from actual bits of truth that we kind of get accustomed to. Well, they also we end up generalizing sometimes, and that's what creates a stereotype. But there's usually some level of truth somewhere underneath that created the stereotype. So. Right. Come on, people. Let's relax. They're cartoon characters. Okay? We're supposed to have fun with cartoon characters. That's what we do here at Neverland. We have fun. And one of the things we have fun with is cartoons. And when we get into movie reviews, but before we get to movie reviews, we're going to have to go to the trailer park. But before we get, when we get into movie reviews, there are some old cartoon characters that are back. Okay? So we get to talk about that. That's what we do here. Because... Although I'm not, I wasn't a big Tom and Jerry fan. I must say, when I was a kid, because I was always rooting for Tom, and Tom never won. But <laughs> that's not the point. <laughs> but anyways, uh, before we get into talking about any movie reviews, we got to go to the trailer park because uh, hopefully you got to see this. Mama, now the gator got in the house. Now the gator, give me that sugar. Come here. Oh. Get him, Mama. Oh. Get that gator. Oh. The Neverland Trailer Park. I, I, I somehow know that I missed this popping up on YouTube, but when I went to go see Raya and the Last Dragon, Luca from Pixar. We can go anywhere. Do anything. We just gotta stick together. Underdogs have to look out for each other, right? Underdogs! This is gonna be the best summer ever. We'll ride down every road. See the whole world together. It'll be amazing. <laughs> but there's just one thing. Whoa. Uh -oh. whoa, 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 wait! Did you see that? No one can find out. Please don't take my sunshine Where did you boys say you were from? <laughs> this is something you don't know what it is. You're just like, oh, well, this is kind of neat. Look, we're, you know, it's yeah, kind of, kind of a summer. It's colorful. Yeah. Then all of a sudden, these two boys that were kind of falling around get wet. <laughs> <laughs> and it's a reverse splash. It's, it's two mer mermen that are, you know, they get wet and they start showing their real form, but they want to explore the human world. And... What, what sold this for me, other than it being Pixar, because, I mean, it's Pixar, I'm in already, 
But there's right. this uh, one moment where the two boys are sitting over at like a friend's house or whatever to have dinner, and the father chops the head off of a fish, and one boy spit takes water onto the other one, and then turns half of him fish, and so they have to duck him under the table before somebody sees him. I was laughing hysterically. That was so it's so funny. It was so great. I am excited mm-hmm. for this just from that. I I know I, I've heard of the movie coming, uh, something called Luca, but we didn't know anything about it. But mm-hmm. oh, this teaser just was a riot! I am I am so happy. I'm wanting to see this. It's Pixar. It's funny. No, and and the director is Enrico. Uh, I, I'm I'm gonna slaughter this one. Uh, Casarosa or Casarosa, and uh, he actually directed the um, the short for Pixar with this father, grandfather, and son go out on a boat and they have to go and clean up the stars. La Luna. I believe that's it. it. Yes. Yes. That's a beautiful little short too. So it's the same director. Um, You know, here we're going to have uh, Jacob Tremblay as uh, Luca Paguro, the main character, one of the two boys. Um, He's curious about the world that's around the sea. And of course he was in uh, a wonder. And uh, I remember one year he was at the uh, Academy Awards and he was really excited to see all the star Wars actors uh, there. Um, But uh, I, few of the other people that are involved uh there's maya rudolph from saturday night live who's going to be daniela uh who's luca's mother and then jim gaffigan is going to be in it as well as luca's father nice as long as we get some uh some hot pockets hot pockets (laughs) (laughs) but but one of the things that uh kind of appealed to me it is a different style for pixar than what they've had in the past and in fact it it kind of reminds me a little bit of a miyazaki type film a little bit a little bit because it does it's very they're very bright very colorful uh yes i mean and this just kind of kind of fun designs of the characters the humans don't really look human they look very kind of cartoony and light and fun Mm -hmm. uh and even when they turn into their fish worms, their fish, their fish worms are bright and colorful, and just, oh, I, I'm excited. Right. This just looks looks amazing and funny, and of course, it's Pixar, so you know they're going to pluck some heartstrings, just like Soul did, you know. Soul went mm-hmm. after them heartstrings and got to speak to all of us, I swear. Soul was, oh, which, they won a Golden Globe, <laughs> hooray, Soul. Of course, they didn't, I don't think yes. they really had any real competition. I mean, who's going to compete with Pixar? I mean, I don't think Disney put anything out in the year. Did they? I mean, come on. There's no competition for Soul. It was going to win. You just knew it. There'll be spectacle. There'll be fantasy. There'll be daring do and stuff like you would never see. Hey, a movie. Yeah, we're going to be a movie. Starring everybody and me. Boy, I wish I were you people seeing this for the first time. Kermit, I got a great picture of the chicken. Now, I'm going to begin with Tom and Jerry with, I found a list from MeTV, five things you never knew about Tom and Jerry. I did pull up a a history of Tom and Jerry, but uh, really a lot of the history I think is also on here. Uh, But because what was fun is they actually debuted like 80 years ago when MG released the short Puss Gets the Boot in theaters February 10th, 1940. And Hanna-Barbera crafted 114 shorts for Metro and Golden Mayer up through 1958. Then Hanna-Barbera left behind their cat and mouse to pursue their own Hanna-Barbera productions, which would make television history with the Smash Primetime series, The Flintstones, in 1960. But mm-hmm. So here's five things. So number one, 
they were originally named Jasper and Jinx. Who knew? <laughs> of course, they really didn't ever use the names because neither one of them could talk, although Tom could scream, <laughs> you know, I can't do it very well. Uh, but then there was later a contest to name the characters. So animator John Carr won $50, which would be like $800 in today's cash, for coming up with the monikers Tom and Jerry. And yes, number three, they were named after a cocktail. Uh, which is it's, it's actually a popular boozy Yuletime drink, essentially eggnog with brandy added in alongside the rum. The drink recipe and name dates back to the 1820s, so it certainly predates the cat and mouse. But I, I didn't know what it was. I don't drink. So, but there you go. <laughs> Number four, they won seven Oscars. That's not as many as Walt Disney, I think, but that's pretty good for a short. Yeah, that, yeah, you know, considering that they were competing against Disney and Warner Brothers. Yes. Uh, so they were actually nominated 13 times for a, for a short subject cartoon. Eight of them won a trophy. The Yankee Doodle Mouse took home the duo's first Oscar. And five, and this one I, I think a lot of people probably did know, they were in a live-action Gene Kelly movie. Mm-hmm. With, uh, of course, you know, Gene Kelly. Come on, Singing in the Rain. If you have not seen Singing in the Rain, I highly recommend you gotta see it. Gotta dance, gotta see this movie. It's, it's so, so great. And that'll, that'll, that's the movie that will make you realize why Gene Kelly was a great leading man in musicals. He is, was so talented and had that perfect smile. I mean, and I, the thing is, I have not seen this. Uh, it's the Worry song, but I don't know if that's the name of the movie or I think that might be the just the song that he does with yeah. Tom and Jerry. I don't yeah. know what movie this actually is. No, I, I can, Anchors, okay. Anchors like, Away actually is apparently where he's in there. Okay. Yes. 1945. So, but yeah. yeah, Tom and Jerry is the original cat and mouse cartoon that has been parodied by The Simpsons with uh, the Itching and Scratchy show. As I said earlier, Jerry was a jerk. Usually started things. Tom could be a jerk too. But I, you know, one of these is a household pest. The other is a household pet. Okay, although sometimes Tom is portrayed as a stray cat, but you know, yes. <laughs> I was rooting for Tom, so I I never really got into it because Jerry pretty much always came out ahead because he was supposed to be a cute little mouse, and I mm-hmm. have some mice as pets as well. Yes, true. Uh, I currently have two cats though, so <laughs> what does that say about me? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> How about you? Did you always root for Jerry or Tom? Uh, I always rooted for Droopy. <laughs> almost did a spit take myself I did that was drinking water because <laughs> Droopy has little hidden appearances in this movie yes he does he does so yes uh, if I did an overall on this it is nice that you had at least a cameo from Droopy and there's even a sign that kind of you see half of Droopy's face and he, <laughs> he does make an appearance but this is not who framed Roger Rabbit it's not as savvy and clever and well, I won't say as was fun, because I'm sure this was fun. Uh, this, I think, is a good, and this is what Philip was even telling me when he watched it before I did. This is a good way to kind of get your kids familiar with Tom and Jerry, so maybe you can show them some older Tom and Jerry cartoons. Because a lot of the old gags were kind of refreshed, and they did keep yeah. the characters as you would expect them, where Jerry kind of starts some stuff, but yet Tom always gets blamed for it. Mm-hmm. So they kept the characters very much intact, and they even had Tom's signature scream 
kind of there. It's, it was a slightly newer, you know, voice person, I think. But he was doing that style. I mean, so the characters are very much intact. Uh, and he, but, but you see a lot of the gags that uh, I think for the kids, the kids probably watching this movie are going to laugh hysterically probably and enjoy this a lot more, I think, than the adults will. As a grown-up person, I was excited to see Michael Pena because I, I was waiting for him to tell me a story, though. Because, <laughs> you know, we love Michael Pena after seeing him in the Ant-Man films. He's so great. And he's great in this movie, too. Uh, overall, I mean, it's pretty good casting. But I know this kind of fell flat. But I think it is something you could bring your have your kids watch to get introduced to Tom and Jerry. Although there were some, oh, we almost cussed, but we didn't, that I didn't appreciate because they were clearly aiming this at children to be able to watch. But they were I, yeah. their idea of trying to keep the adults interested was like, oh, we almost cussed. <laughs> and I didn't appreciate that. because. But yeah, overall, it's, as an adult, I actually didn't enjoy this. And I'm kind of a big kid, but I didn't have much fun. I was able to watch the whole thing. I, I laughed at a couple of things, but... Uh, really, I, you know, I, I'm going to go with what Philip was telling me. He watched it with his nephew and his nephew just loved it. Something, you know, that must be the target mm-hmm. audience is, is the kids because it's a lot of slapstick, goofy fun that you'd see in a Tom and Jerry cartoon. Yeah. And, and I'd have to agree with you. I, you know, starting the film with a, with a pigeon rapping. Yeah. <laughs> it just right there. That just kind of threw me way off and I knew exactly what type of movie we were uh, going to be seeing right from that moment on the the bits and gags just between Tom and Jerry classic yeah. they have updated a lot of those uh, bits and gags from the shorts you know I, I was able to say yeah I remember that particular thing happening in a short mm-hmm. um, but when it focuses on the human characters uh, it just I I don't even have words for just how uh, disappointing. Yeah, that was. It reminded me um, of that first Bean film, where Mr. Bean, we usually see him interacting with his own environment and maybe maybe one or two people, and he's mm-hmm. just causing a disaster. When it's by himself, it's funny, but when you when and when Mr. Bean had was very dialoguey, and we started to care about the other characters he was interacting with, now he's a walking disaster, and it's not funny. It's kind of stressful. Right. And this is what the Tom and Jerry. We, I think the only human we ever saw was like the maid or whatever. Thomas, get that mouse. You know, she was up on the chair. Mm-hmm. And but because they are a destructive force, really, in that cartoon, they destroy the place. But now you add it into where we're supposed to care about all these humans in this hotel when they come in to de- and, and they destroy stuff in their typical way. Now it's problematic and it's not as funny. And and that just kind of confirmed to me that Tom and Jerry work best as a short. Yes. Um, uh, I, I don't understand why there's been such an emphasis over the past 20 years to put them into a movie setting. Of course, there was the Tom and Jerry movie from the 90s in which they both discovered that each other could talk and they didn't know it because, hey, they had never talked to each other. And it threw in a, a, a poochie type dog uh, to rap. <laughs> um, they've had these uh, made for TV movies like... Uh, Tom and Jerry and Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory or Tom and Jerry and the Wizard of Oz, where it just kind of seems like they're throwing them in conjunction with another Warner Brother or MGM property that just, again, just doesn't quite mesh right. Um, kind of like so, what they're doing with Scooby-Doo. <laughs> yeah, very much. Um, you know, I, I, I am holding out a little bit of hope that, you know, for what else they have, because there's a lot more to Warner Brothers catalog. Uh, with what they're what they're planning on doing with that universe, 
Tom and Jerry were good. It's just the rest of it just fell really flat for me. Do your kids have a good time? At least the younger ones? Uh, they didn't watch it. Oh, okay. So it was, I, I couldn't get their intro, get them interested in it. So it was just oh, me. Oh, wow. Well, we do have a better movie to talk about. <laughs> we certainly have another movie to talk yes. about. Yes. Raya and the Last Dragon, produced by Osnat Schurer. Developed under the leadership of Disney Animation Chief uh, Creative Officer Jennifer Lee, co-writer mm-hmm. Adele Lim, head of story Fawn Vera Sunthorn, and co-head of animation Amy Smead were all among women leading the creative charge on this one, which uh, when I did research for what the Walt Disney Company had to say, that's the thing they really want to talk about. Oh, even technical supervisor Kelsey Hurley uh, with Associated Technical Supervisors Gabriela Hernandez and Shweta Vizwanathan. And I'm probably butchering... All of these names, <laughs> but those you know they're they run a boast about that they had a lot of women working on this, and uh, International Women's Day was uh, was sometime this week, so I thought it was kind of a fun mention. You know, women who are making really cool animated Disney films. My <laughs> overall thoughts on this: I feel like they really ripped off the Avatar Airbender series. I felt like I was watching a video game because this this plot could have been played out in the Legend of Zelda game, I swear, uh, where you're going on quests for individual items in each land that has a different style and world to that little land. Uh, so, I mean, it felt like a lot of stuff that has already kind of been recycled. And, you know, great, the, the visuals were really great, but I didn't feel like I was seeing anything new to, that blew my socks off because I felt like I'd seen it in a video game. Uh, and the sto- but the story though here is actually really good, and I really appreciated the message that this movie had. Uh, but you really, I think, have to be self-aware and have to take a look at yourself and see if you aren't to blame for some of the problems instead of mm-hmm. casting blame on somebody else. I liked that message because I think there's too many people who are not self-aware. Because I mean, really, this 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 focus point of this is 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 unity and trying to bring people together. And it really kind of shows how people have a habit of blaming everybody else for it without taking a look at themselves and say, well, what are you doing that's causing this unity? So I like that self-awareness that this movie teaches. Uh, And I I didn't I didn't find this movie to be necessarily funny. The the con baby seemed a little out of place, and a little weird. That was the most because this was almost could have been done live action. It was done that well. The baby mm-hmm. seemed a little out of place in cartoony, although the baby did have some great funny moments, and that was the one thing I think I did laugh at was the baby and the 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 boy who's the chef. I forgot his name. Uh, so a lot of the names were hard to follow on this. Uh, mm-hmm. It it was because they had different names, but that's actually one of uh, my one real criticism would be this. I mean, because the the great things this was world building. I mean, this is fantasy. This is fairy tale. They build this great world based on kind of an Orient style concepts. But when you Mm -hmm. build a fantastic world outside of this, uh, well, let's imagine, imagine a movie in space called Star Wars in the 1970s. If somebody would have been like groovy cat, it would have totally thrown you out of the world you created. And that's the problem I had. Some of the dialogue like, oh, well, my girl's like this. And yo, this is my bestie. Characters shouldn't be talking in modern Earth slang. If you want to have some slang, invent some. Mm-hmm. Shiny. Can I, can anybody talk about you know what Serenity and what was the series based off? I forgot it. I, I don't know if we can talk about that particular director anymore. But the language that he used within his shows was transformative. Uh, he you know wasn't listening to anyone in particular when they came up with 
uh, catchphrases like that, or, or like you said, the slang in particular. Slang so, should be um, unique to its world, and that's that really pulled exactly. me out. And I, I did have I saw somebody who just kind of uh, went after Aquafina for her portrayal of Sisu the dragon, and I said, well, I don't know if it's all completely her fault or it's just the way they wrote that character, kind of interpreted the way she played it because they were the one somebody wrote that dialogue for her, and mm-hmm. some of the other characters mm-hmm. kind of talk like that, and that pulled me out of this fantastic world they had constructed. When I was like, sort of like the Ice Age films, the Ice Age films started out great, but they kind of led a hip hop style and get into it. Then like suddenly it doesn't feel like this ancient world of ice. Now I feel it's very modern and it doesn't work anymore. Mm -hmm. That's the only criticism I have, though. Mm hmm. Well, you know, I, I felt that the story could have probably used a little bit more development. You know, I was very concerned that uh, I don't want to give anything away, but, you know, at the climax of the movie, there is an event. And I was very surprised that Raya um, did not try to, again, I don't want to give anything away here, but, uh, you know, Raya, you know, was responsible for something that happens. And I don't see her trying to, you know, take care of the individual uh, who was damaged during that event. There, I think I was obtuse enough. She's more concerned about going after her perceived antagonist than trying to help or provide supplication to the individual who was damaged. Yeah, I I, I get it because, yeah, she she played a part. She at least does acknowledge that she has some blame to play. But yeah, I Mm -hmm. guess they could have gone further with that, couldn't they? Yes. But, uh, and again, I that, that, that does speak to a little bit more of the, the character building that they could have spent, you know, like I feel a little bit more time working on. But you are correct. This is world building. I, I, I have a good feeling we're probably going to be seeing more from this new universe in the future. Number one, it's Disney. So, of course, there's always sequels <laughs> and or, television or shows and series. whatnot. Exactly. <laughs> so, you know, I'm sure that's in the work. But, you know, they've done a lot of groundwork here to set that up right. and to uh, have the opportunity to move forward with that. Uh, overall, I enjoyed the movie. Uh, you know, I do have the, you know, those small critiques about it myself, but you know, uh, it's certainly not anything that, you know, I'm would not want to watch with my family. In fact, my whole family was able to see it. Um, we, we actually downloaded it through the Disney plus app and watched it as we drove to Las Vegas last week. So, um, I actually managed and to then, get to out to a theater. <laughs> I was so happy. Which, People need to be more self-aware and think about what they're doing that's actually being problematic and being rude. Well, now now if I could just help uh, instill that message in some of the people in lines behind me when I go to the parks. There you go. Be, be <laughs> self-aware to that. Hey, you're kind of acting like a jerk, you know. And that's, that, that's just... something hard to do is to, to really realize the impact you're having. Uh, I think it's something everybody mm-hmm. can work on. Oh, definitely. Yeah. But I did really like the line where, you know, the basically the people who were kind of being set up as the antagonists, but to me, they didn't really feel like the bad guys. I think there's some bad choices they made because uh, the real antagonist was something that I love the fact that the, it was the, the, the real enemy bad thing was created by human discord. I appreciated mm-hmm. that. But I also liked the, the, the realization. I think it's Sisu that says, like, you realize everybody in this world they, everybody has the same goals. They want a better world. Everybody just has different ways that they're trying to get there. Right. Oh, I love that. I really well, And, do. you know, I also really like the fact that here we have a father who is not 
discouraging his daughter, who's not um, telling her, you know, the human world, what are you doing up there? Who, who was trying to help his daughter understand lessons and, you know, did show a, a loving relationship between the two. Yeah. So make you make it, it makes you feel it. It pulls at the heartstrings when I don't want to say what happens to him. <laughs> but you feel it in that moment. You're like, oh, no. And then you, that makes you kind of root for Raya and what she wants. And you understand that her her it's interesting, but that's she's very single minded in that she wants her father back. But you, mm-hmm. you understand that character. But of course, she's not looking at the bigger picture, which comes along later. But you understand where she's coming from because you're like, yeah, I would really like to be able to bring all these people back as well. Before we get into some really fun couple of things that I have for you, I got to say something about my podcast reviews uh, found at mypodcastreviews.com. If you go to neverlandpodcast.com, I actually have, you'll see kind of a midway down on the front page, there's a little kind of, there's text in color. It says my podcast reviews. If you click that, you'll get in my referral. So, uh, you know, it does help the show out. And if you're a podcaster, what this does, this will collect reviews that you get from everywhere. I mean, everywhere. And you can have these reviews even emailed to you so you can see what your review's saying. And it also enables this little little bit of code that I was able to put on the website where I can have reviews actually show up on the front page. Now, let's take a look of it. Here, here's one of the reviews I've got uh, from, let's see, uh, ABP Finance. Said, gave, me, gave me five stars, says, love it, great show and great concept. Keep going. Uh, they've also created a very simple link where people can just click on it to leave a review, which you should be able to find if you look there on your phone or however you're listening to the show with the show notes. Simple click in there, leave us a review. That makes us feel great. It really does help spread the love and the show. So and also remember, if you're a podcaster, I, I recommend this service. It's not very expensive at all. Mypodcastreviews.com. And of course, please use our affiliate link on the front page. Now, with that having been said, did we say something earlier about October 1st being a significant day? Yes, we did. Yes, we did. Now, I mentioned, did I mention earlier that at a thrift store, I believe I did, I found a book and it's called Walt Disney World 20 Magical Years. Now, I want to read for you the introduction. This is this is primarily a picture book. It's a, I, 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 such a great find. It's primarily a picture. Good. It's got photos here in this introduction of Walt uh, from Snow White and uh, looking at the tiki birds and from the opening day at Disneyland. I mean, lots of great photos in here. It's even got like a the first rendering of the Disneyland sketch in 1953. It's a black and white photo of that. Uh, it's very cool. But let me read this first introduction here for, to you. It says, Walt Disney was a man who always lived on the edge of tomorrow. His dreams seemed impossible to others, but he dared to make them come true. We know him first as a filmmaking pioneer. The first synchronized sound cartoon, Steamboat Willie, 1928, was his creation, as was 1932. He was also responsible for the first animated film that gave the illusion of depth through the use of the multiplane camera from the Old Mill in 1937. The cartoon, as realized by Disney, gained even greater stature in 1937 when Walt released his first full-length animated feature, Snow White and the Seven Dwarves. He went on to introduce many more innovations to movie making, including stereophonic sound, Fantasia 1940, the 360-degree projection in Disneyland Circle Vision 360, 1955, 
This remarkable man's achievements also include the longest-running primetime television series from 1954 to 1983. Although the Simpsons got renewed for two more years, so I think they're—I uh, think they may have surpassed it by now. Uh, this remember this book was like 20 years ago, or more than like 30 years ago, right? So, 30 years, yeah, 30 years ago. So yeah, uh, I think the Simpsons have outdone that now. But anyways, the Academy Award-winning True Life Adventure Nature Films, which revolutionized the documentary genre and developed the, of the development of true three-dimensional animation through the electronic wizardry of the audio animatronic system. But Walt Disney's dream that perhaps the most far-reaching effort or effect on life in America was the one about a magical little park. He called it Disneyland. It was one of the most important entertainment landmarks of the 20th century. When Disneyland opened on July 17, 1955 in Anaheim, California, it was the realization of a 20-year-old dream for Walt, its chief imagineer. The, the idea came along, Walt said, when I was taking my daughters around to those kiddie parks. While they were on the merry-go-round riding 40 times or something, I'd be sitting there trying to figure out what I could do. Those often unsatisfying afternoons gave him the notion of a family park that would be as entertaining for adults as for children. It took many years, Walt said. I started with many ideas, threw them away, and started all over again. Eventually, Walt's family park became Disneyland. Not an amusement park and certainly not a kiddie land. Disneyland was like nothing the world had ever experienced. Walt had developed the concepts for the park on his own, with little consideration for what the world thought an amusement park should be. He used the ideas and skills of his filmmakers to create a giant outdoor stage with sets dressed for comedy, drama, and adventure. On each set, everything from architecture, landscaping, and costumes to food, music, and sound effects was orchestrated down to the smallest detail, creating a totally themed environment. And Walt saw his guests not as spectators, but as participants in the performance. All the intricate elements of his theme park show would have been wasted if the guests hadn't been there to play their parts. As we all know, Disneyland was an overwhelming success. Less than two years after it opened, it had become, in the words of Time Magazine, America's biggest tourist attraction. But Walt Disney was never one to rest on his laurels. Even as Disneyland was enjoying unprecedented success, he was preparing to imagineer his greatest dream, Walt Disney World. One of the things Walt realized after Disneyland was built was that he should have bought a bigger parcel of land. Specul speculators had snapped up the surrounding property and cluttered the environs of the Magic Kingdom with fast food establishments and motels. For Walt, this detracted from the magical experience that he felt Disneyland should be. So when the land was acquired in Florida for Walt Disney World, it amounted to over 150 times the acreage of Disneyland, 27,500 acres to be exact. On the property, Walt envisioned another Magic Kingdom, but also hotel and recreational facilities that would provide a complete vacation opportunity for the whole family. Walt Disney died in 1966, shortly after introducing his concepts for the Florida Project, but the organization he had built, led by his brother Roy, plunged ahead with the development of the first phase of Walt Disney World, the Vacation Resort. The painstaking imagineering process continued for five years, transforming paintings, scale models, and blueprints into a three-dimensional, full-size realization of one of Walt's fondest dreams. And that was, of course, you know, the interesting thing is, uh, this is, of course, 50 years for Walt Disney World, but then that's also, what is like 65 years for Disneyland this year? Disneyland uh, celebrated its 65th anniversary last year. Oh, that's right. It did. 
La- it was last year. Yeah, and we could, but, didn't get know, to do anything there, because there, yeah, there weren't many opportunities to actually celebrate though. But you know, I'm, they might be able to when they reopen the park. They might be able to do something fun to kind of celebrate. It's like, yeah, last year was the 65th anniversary. Yay! Oh, yeah, they they've had um, uh, uh, products and and uh, items available to celebrate the anniversary at Disneyland. In fact. Uh, is this a good time to go into the experience I had last week? Oh, yes. This is, I actually meant to bring this up when I was talking about the reopening earlier, but yeah. Yeah. Uh, I actually, along with my family, uh, were a, was able to go and uh, really spend the day at uh, Disneyland Resort um, a week and a half ago. Um, currently, uh, they have all of downtown Disney open, uh, as well as certain sections of Disney California Adventure, uh, where you can go in, uh, you can choose from you know places to dine, there are stores you can enter. Um, it all begins with, uh, well, for those of you who are driving to the park, uh, parking is available in the uh, symbol lot, which is behind uh, Disney's Paradise Pier Hotel. Uh, up until a few months ago, when only Downtown Disney was open, uh, you could park there for free. However, uh, now that California Adventure has been open and available to walk with them, uh, they are charging $10 per vehicle to park there. So you can either choose to park there, or if you're staying nearby or have another place to park, you can certainly walk in. Um, one thing they mentioned to us as we were going through the, uh, through the parking lot is that uh, there is a, a half-hour wait to get inside. Now, of course, uh, as we've experienced at uh, Disney World, uh, anytime you go onto Disney property, your temperature is taken. And uh, for the parks particularly, you do have to go through, excuse me, security. Uh, Security and temperature checks are present in California as well. Uh, And as much as we thought a half hour wasn't going to be that big of a wait, it actually ended up being about a half hour, or I'm sorry, a full hour, just a way to get through the temperature check and through security. Because, of course, they're only allowing a limited number of people in at any given time. And to kind of uh, ramp up and uh, a little bit more going on than just being able to get into the parks, uh, this was the week after the Star Wars trading post opened at Downtown Disney, (laughs) uh, featuring (laughs) items that had been shipped from Batuu, um, which we'll get into. Mm. So, um, but uh, they they have a, uh, an empty parking lot next to the Paradise Pier Hotel, which they had set up as uh, a queue in order to enter the temperature check and go through security. Okay, it took about an hour, and uh, certainly if if there's anything Disneyland knows how to do, it's how to prepare a line. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, so they 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 certainly have an efficient way to get people. Uh, packed into that small area while maintaining that six-foot distance. Um, However, once we got in, uh, by this point, it was uh, close to noon. So we had lunch at one of our favorite spots, uh, Earl of Sandwich. Uh, They happen to have a new roast beef and macaroni and cheese sandwich, which Mm. as much as I'm trying to avoid carbs, I just had to do. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I don't blame you. (laughs) But it was quite good. Um, while we were waiting for our meal to be brought to us, though, or to be ready, uh, my daughter walked across the way to where the Star Wars outpost is. Uh, they are doing a virtual queue at this time in order to 
enter into it because again it's new it has uh products that really haven't been available outside of disneyland uh they did have a, an outpost set up in the wonderground gallery which is also in downtown disney but it's much smaller space and again very limited as to what they could offer so she I uh, got the link to join the virtual queue, and I was able to do that. Uh, when I set up to go into the virtual queue, it said that there were approximately 360 parties ahead of me. Good night. No, in, no indication of how many people were in those parties, but that uh, there were quite a few people already in line. And this is around noon. So uh, with keeping that in mind that, you know, we'll hopefully have the opportunity to check it out. Uh, we proceeded. We visited a few of our favorite locations in downtown Disney. We went to the World of Disney, which is, of course, the great big store that has everything or most everything that is sold in the parks. Um, as we discovered when we visited back in September of last year, um, there's a virtual queue at that time. When we went this time, there was not a virtual queue, but there was a queue to wait in uh, before you could actually enter the store. Um, they uh, have the line set up along the front side of the store, and you can enter in at the east end and exit at the west end of the store. Uh, so we looked around. We found a few things that uh, have been catching our eye other places. Um, and certainly, again, there is where they had quite a bit of this 65th anniversary merchandise available, ah. along with 2021 merchandise. So um, particularly uh, when we visited last year, a lot of their 2020 merchandise was being sold at buy one, get one free or buy one, get one half off. Um, I don't recall seeing that this time around, but they certainly did have plenty of uh items to purchase you know there there's no shortage of that yeah <laughs> um after exiting world of disney uh we thought well let's go see what's going on in california adventure they had one gate that was open uh which you could walk into um and walked in and there we are on buena vista street you know the trolley might not be running you might not have cast members you know there to greet you and welcome you but i'll tell you it felt just as much like home as it has been walking into any of the parks at uh, Walt Disney World. Were they um, able to have like the live performers? Because don't they usually have, you know, like like on Buena Vista streets where they'd have like the guys that would come out and sing a suitcase in a dream and stuff like that. Were they able mm -hmm. to do anything like that? I'm afraid they don't. Oh. Uh, and if they are doing that, we didn't see any of that. But even in um, Florida, that's not the case. Uh, there are, you know, for example, in the Magic Kingdom, the Dapper Dans will come out and sing, but there's there, there's got to be a lot of room for them to be able to socially distance. Yeah. Um, so I, I did not see any of that, and I haven't heard of anything like that uh, taking place at California Adventure. However, we were able to get in, and actually a little bit further than I initially assumed we would be able to go when we went in. Um, they currently do have an exhibit set up outside of the former Muppets Theater uh, with a couch and several TVs so that you can take your own WandaVision picture. Nice. Uh, they have um, uh, a, a large soundstage, which is actually the soundstage which, where you would go in and play Who Wants to Be a Millionaire? Play It uh, was open uh, for retail. Uh, they had several items there available for purchase. Of course, uh, they had a lot of Star Wars and um, Marvel pro, uh, items that you could buy. Um, they always they they've got Loungefly backpacks, which 
my wife and daughters absolutely love and are buying way too many of, I think. <laughs> <laughs> but again, just, just a good opportunity to get in, um, see what's there, you know, buy some exclusive Disneyland and California Adventure merchandise. Uh, from there, we visited the uh, off-the-page bookstore, which is also in the Hollywoodland area. Um you know, which is one of my favorite stores because it has so much artwork in there. Um, there's uh, they've got prints and uh, glissé uh, paintings all over in there that you can look at, browse, and purchase if you really want to. It's also got uh, a lot of several books that you cannot find elsewhere on the property. Um, I actually ended up uh, getting myself a uh, copy of Star Wars Galaxy's Edge number one. It's a comic book that came out last year, nice. uh, kind of celebrating and, and giving a bit of the background story of uh, Batu and Galaxy's Edge. Um, let's see. After that, we went ahead and walked as far south in the park as we could, uh, where we walked around the Cafe Circle Theater, uh, which, again, is a restaurant and has open air seating and dining available for people. Um, but if you go a little bit past that, back towards the Blue Sky Cellar uh, and the vineyard, and the former, who wants to be a bug building, or who wants to be a bug? It's tough to be a bug. <laughs> it's tough to be a bug. <laughs> um, they, they had a small area set aside where you could purchase some of your favorite Disney treats, such as uh, Mickey bars and go. turkey legs and popcorn. So they did have no a special area... Just for that. No Dole Whip, unfortunately. Oh. Um, but, you know. It is I'm, what it is. <laughs> it is what it is. And I, and unfortunately, even the Disneyland Hotel, which is another place where they serve the Dole Whip, is closed as well. Oh, uh, but still, there were there were other treats that, you know, you know all, of the, all of the frozen treats that they normally sell were available back there. Popcorn. Um, I can't remember if there were churros, which is also a big... Uh, thing that a lot of us miss from uh, Disneyland. And I'll tell you, the churros at Disneyland, so much better than the ones at Disney World. <laughs> so, uh, but uh, after that, we could go a little bit further into, uh, again, up to where the Blue Sky Cellar was. This is uh, an area where they were able to show previews of what was coming in the future for California Adventure. It's where a lot of us got our first look at what when a Vista Street would look like, or what uh, World of Color would look like, or Cars Land. And in fact, we could see Cars Land. Uh, we could see the uh, big sign welcoming us to Radiator Springs. We could see Mater's Junkyard Jamboree. But everything to our left was completely walled off. But you Again, can pick over that wall, couldn't you? <laughs> well, I, you have to be really tall to pick over that wall. But you can still see over it, uh, because what's behind there is so much larger and higher than the wall. And uh, what I saw as I looked over that way was it looked like an older building with an older font style stating Stark Industries. And just a little further beyond that and attached to the same building, a lot uh, more sleek material, you know, metal, or metal that was bent and formed and shaped, and the symbol of a spider. So obviously this is where the new... Uh, 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 web ride, the Spider-Man ride yeah. is going to be taking place in California, at California Adventure. Um, and of course, you know, that's not going to open up until Disney is ready to uh, 
get back into the swing of things. And I don't even know if that's going to open up when California Adventure and Disneyland formally open up. If it's anything like Ratatouille, they may be waiting for a while before it opens. But I am so excited to be able to ride that and to uh, see that attraction and compare it to the one that I rode on at Universal Studios a few weeks ago. I know it's completely different, different storyline, different approach, but... Um, of course, this is going to uh, factor in with the Marvel Cinematic Universe and uh, everything involved with that. But uh, good to see just a little peek, uh, see a little bit of the storytelling that's being told through the architecture there. But uh, it, it looks like it's going to be really good. Now, of course, behind that, I could see the uh, Guardians of the Galaxy Tower behind it, um, which meshed in really well with the theming in the area, too. So it'll be interesting to see how it all fits together and works together in the future. Yeah. After that, we uh, walked over to the westernmost part of the park, which is Condor Flats, uh, which is where Soren is. Um, they had the uh, Taste Pilots Grill open. Actually, it's no longer called the Taste Pilots Grill. Um, golly. Oh, Smoke Jumpers Grill, uh, which is also open uh, and available for dining. And of course, a lot of outdoor seating available there as well. Uh, we walked over as far as uh, there's a small park. Uh, propeller plane that they have on display there next to the Grand Californian Hotel. That was about as far as we could go that way. Uh, had a nice little chat with a uh, cast member there. Um, and at that kind of decided, okay, we've seen just about everything there is to see here. We've gone into a few of the stores, um, found out where I could change my fuel rod so I could get a fresh one. And uh, we then walked out back to the Esplanade and walked across it over to, well, not quite, but almost to the gates of Disneyland, which they have roped off where the monorail beam is. Uh, and again, just took a, a quick, um, maybe not such a quick look, but, you know, got to look in at uh, our favorite park and uh, reminisce about the good times. And of course, at that time, we had no idea when California would reopen. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was still talk that it'd be still several months. And uh, again, just kind of Reminisced uh, on what everything meant and, and how much we enjoy being there and hope for another time and also hope that I wouldn't hear, you know, any sounds from Disneyland along the lines of your cheating heart since we go to Disney World now. <laughs> <laughs> so um, about this time, it was getting close to uh, uh, 430-ish, uh, sun's still up, but, uh, you know, the afternoon or the evening comes early out there in California. So we... Uh, uh, kind of resigned ourselves to the fact that uh, we weren't going to be able to get into the Galaxy's Edge trading post when I got the notification. I said, please come and check in. I'm like, okay, great. Now, I knew that there was going to be a line in order to enter into this shop. I didn't expect that line to be an hour as well. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, we went and waited another hour just to have the opportunity to go into uh, the trading post. And it, it's very similar. Um, actually, I take that back. There is a trading post as well at uh, Disney Springs out in Florida, but it certainly is not themed as well as this location. This is the former Rainforest Cafe, which had a Mayan temple theme to it. And for those of us who have all seen A New Hope, of course, the uh, last act of the film outside of the uh, Death Star takes place on the planet Yavin, which Mm -hmm. certainly has Mayan theme to it as well. Uh, So, you know, that was a nice, interesting way to uh, uh, 
get involved and uh, be in part of the story. Of course, they had all of the uh, specific merchandise that was designed for Galaxy's Edge there, such as the uh, loft cat pets and the um, Kowaki and monkey lizards uh, puppets that are available for purchase. Uh, they had an area where you could go and you could uh, look at the legacy lightsabers and purchase one if you wanted. Um, I have a confession to make. Back when I uh, last, well, it was my last visit to uh, Florida, but uh, I happened to get myself a legacy lightsaber along with my uh, Savi's workshop lightsaber. Uh, I happened to get one that emits a uh, red light. I'll oh my! That. <laughs> <laughs> but anyhow, uh, we we did have a good time. Uh, we were able to. You know, didn't feel rushed or pressure to get in there. Unfortunately, it is still a small space, which is why it takes so long for people to uh, wait and to get in. Um, in fact, I felt that there were several more people in the uh, trading post that's in Disney Springs than they allowed into the one there in California. Of course, mm. uh, COVID being what it is and uh, state restrictions being what they are, I can understand why there was a difference. Yeah. Um, but uh, still, it was good to have just that little little bit of Star Wars uh, experience in there that day. Yeah. And uh, that, that pretty much sums up our, our day at Disney that day. Yeah, what little bit you could get. You just soak up what you can. Mm-hmm. Uh, and to turn now a bit of a corner, because, you know, we uh, – well, I mentioned it before, and I probably should have dove into this before, but The Muppet Show is nearly complete on Disney+. Plus. There's a few episodes – missing well one total mm-hmm. episode and a few songs that didn't quite get through uh, the one episode that's missing from what i've heard the uh the guest star is somebody who later uh ended up in a prison i think in britain if i remember reading it properly yeah so they're like yeah we don't want to put that episode up uh and also they're missing uh i think a brooke shields episode because uh, they did a parody of the wizard of oz and they couldn't quite get licensing for some of the music although i would absolutely oh. love to see that uh, or not? It Wizard was Alice Oz, in Wonderland. Alice in Wonderland. Yeah, Wizard of Oz. I think they've got on the DVD. But, but yeah, there's an Alice in Wonderland with Brick Shields playing Alice. I would love to see that, but uh, yeah, it's not there. But I wanted to dive back in. And I used to actually get this magazine. Of course, the first magazine I had got had Christopher Reeve on the cover, and Christopher Reeve was visiting Muppet Labs, being interviewed by Bunsen, Honeydew, and Beaker about Superman Four. That's the first issue I saw. But this. Muppet Magazine actually premiered in January 1983, and on archive.org, I found just a, four pages of it, including the cover, where here is Kermit, Fozzie, and Miss Piggy with the late, great Robin Williams. Mm. And it says exclusive Kermit interviews Robin Williams, plus Miss Piggy's advice, which, yes, yeah, she had an advice column at the back that was all kind of a joke thing where Muppets were asking her for advice. There's an E.T. parody. They talked to Mean, G- mean Joe Green and also the Great Muppet Lookalike Contest is what it says on the cover. But let me just go through just some of the features that they had. So, of course, they interviewed Robin Williams. They had the Muppet Holiday Songbook. Now, of course, uh, this being a January issue, I bet it did come out right in time for Christmas. There was Mupp Man. It says, save your quarters and play our video game. 
the Secret Journals of Dr. Bunsen Honeydew. It says the never-before-published private papers of our resident genius, which were discovered by Frederick R. Newman, illustrated by Frederick R. Newman. That, of course, would be the real writer. But everything, every article was supposed to have been written by a Muppet when you read it, but they, of course they had a real writer in there. But they'd be writing from the perspective of whatever character. Uh, but then also, so page 29, special report, EC, the Extra Celestial, the movie was never like this, starring Kermit, Miss Piggy, and Gonzo as Guess Who. Now, I, I find this funny. So, Gonzo is Guess Who. I figure he's supposed to be like the E.T. in the E.T. parody. Kind of weird that Gonzo was playing an alien. Huh. Hmm. Huh. Uh, anyways, page 34. Green meets green. Is Mean Joe Green really all that mean? Robin finds out in an exclusive interview. Then you have Fozzie's Night Out, rare photographs of Fozzie Bear meeting and mixing with some of his favorite stars at New York's Top Comedy Club. And then we also have Veterinarian's Hospital meets Erica from All My Children. Why you have somebody from All My Children? Susan Lucci on Muppet Magazine. I don't know, but it says here, what happens when Nurse Piggy takes a vacation and soap superstar Susan Lucci steps in? So I guess Susan Lucci was popping in on a veterinarian's hospital sketch. Imagine it like that, I suppose. It has photos. But kids don't know who Susan Lucci is, would they, at the time? No, would you? No. I don't know. Because uh, this magazine definitely was aimed at kids. It was a lot of fun, though. Anyways, uh, so page 44, it's just what I've always wanted. Muppet thank you notes that may change the meaning of good manners. Followed by the great Muppet Lookalike Contest, You Won't Believe Your Eyes. And finally, <laughs> Mondo Muppet, Everything Weird, Wild, and Wonderful, Gathered from the Four Corners of the Earth. And what is also fun, I mean, you do have a page that shows who the writers and the editors are, but uh, the, there was a special preview here for The Dark Crystal. Ooh. And it says, Watch for The Dark Crystal opening in theaters across the country in December. Uh, so this would have been, you know, yes, 19, January 1983. And I do believe, yes, December 1983 is when that movie, or 1982, rather, is when The Dark Crystal came out. So this, it was dated for January 83, but of course would have come out a little early because that's kind of how magazines work back in the day. Mm -hmm. Because they wanted to make sure you got it at least by January. <laughs> right, right. So, but yeah, that's a little bit of fun. I wish I could have found more of Muppet Magazine. Uh, I'm going to dig around. Maybe I can find some more stuff on it later because I really did enjoy reading it. I got that and a He-Man and the Masters of the Universe magazine, which I found a little bit of that on uh, archive.org and downloaded a few PDFs, which we might bring that up in a, in a later episode. But oh. it's time for a television slash Disney Plus review. Hello out there in TV land. Now here's something we hope you'll really like. A Neverland Podcast Television Review. So now we've hit the conclusion of WandaVision. And we're going to try not to spoil things, but we might get a little spoilery. And the first thing I will say, I, I, Agatha Harkness was not quite who I expected her to be, being that, you know, she does. We went over her complete history, you know, just a couple of weeks ago. Uh, and, you know, she's actually even the nanny for uh, the fantastic baby, uh, uh, Richard. Franklin Richards. Franklin. Yeah. He, she, you know, but she always kind of seems to have her own agenda of what she's doing. And what I did kind of see in this episode, she was kind of the antagonist in this episode. But she also seemed to have the motivation of you don't even know how to use this chaos magic. Let me have it because at least I know how to use it properly. So mm -hmm. I, I could kind of see her perspective. Uh, she was kind of being pretty rotten about how she was trying to get it, 
but uh, I I kind of could see her perspective where they're trying to adapt her character the way we know it, but I think they made her a little bit more evil than I would have expected her to be. Uh, but overall, I mean, this was a, a pretty cool conclusion. The only real criticism I have is you have a whole moment where Wanda is leaving after all the smoke's cleared. And she walks back, saw the townspeople, and they're all looking at her. And she goes over to Monica. She apologizes to Monica Rambo for getting powers, uh, which I'm sure Monica doesn't mind that she seems to have powers now, because hello, Spectrum. Um, but, and she apologizes there, and then says, well, everybody out here is just going to hate me. And I, I said out loud, the first way to get people to not hate you when you've done wrong is to apologize to them. And then whether they forgive you or not is on them, but at least you mm-hmm. apologized. And I think that apology at the end of the show was very much missing from the episode. Yeah. And I, that's the only thing I would criticize. I'm like, you know, we've developed this character because really she she messed up some stuff and messed up some people's lives and hurt people. And she doesn't have to answer for that at all. She's not going to be held accountable for anything she did, apparently, at all. And that bothers me. Well, and and to be honest, we really don't know that yet. We don't know what kind of a role Wanda is going to be playing going forward. Well, we kind uh, of do. They did, did you see the very, very, yeah. very end of the Yes, I did. Minutes? I did. So. We kind of do, but we really don't know, you know, how that story is really going to unfold. Yeah. You know, is she now a villain? Is she not? What is she going to uh, learn and what impact will Doctor Strange have on her character going forward. Yeah. You know, the great thing is they mentioned the Sorcerer Supreme, yeah. but Wanda wouldn't know who that was. I really that she stuck around uh, after the uns- after the blip uh, yeah. to find out who had joined them in defeating Thanos. Um, you know, she had other things on her mind, you know, namely where is Vision? Yeah. So, um, you know, I, I, I can understand that you know, just saying Sorcerer Supreme really isn't going to mean anything to her. <laughs> not but, yet, but I'm sure it will. Not yet. Not yet. <laughs> it will. Thanks to Sam Raimi. Yeah. Um, and especially because, you know, the, one of the things I find significant, and this is where I'm going to get possibly spoiler, is that very last scene where she hears the voice of her two kids saying, Mommy, come find us, you know? Mm-hmm. So th- I, they, it looks like they are going to lend in the comics, and I do still expect to see some sort of version of the Young Avengers in, in future because uh, yeah. they can carry the the franchise very much with them. So, but I'm wondering how that's going to work because you know we in the comics, of course, Mephisto was part of his soul was used to create them, but somehow they reincarnated. So I wonder what they'll come up with to where the children can come back. And especially now we ha- we did get to see that we do have a fully realized Vision back. And yes, I'm waiting for him to return, and is because. Is the is he going to be like the White Vision, where he's emotionless, but he has all of his memories, or is he well, going to he, be kind he of like his old self? Well, he has all of his memories, but he yeah. does not have the Mind Stone. True, and he doesn't I think have that's the, mind the stone. difference. So we'll see. I'm kind of wondering what he's going to be like, and uh, what because Wanda didn't know what happened between the two visions. Right. I will. I'm waiting for that. I want to see what happens when when she mm-hmm. sees Vision back. Well, definitely be interesting. Yes. You know, one, one, one thing that I have heard is that uh, there are going to be implications in Spider-Man No Way Home. Ooh. Which, uh, again, could be interesting. I doubt 
it's going to have a major focus on the events of that film, but I've heard that, you know, it's part of the lead up to Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. And one thing I, I, I've kind of speculated a little bit is in the comics, uh, Spider-Man has gone to Doctor Strange to make everybody forget that they know who he is. Mm-hmm. I almost wonder, because, you know, the end of Far From Home, where the, the, the beans got spilled there, I almost wonder if that could tie over to Doctor Strange, where he could be like, is there anything you can do to maybe make everybody forget? <laughs> uh, you know how I said my name was Peter? Can can, can we make that not happen? Yeah. Because <laughs> in the comics, Doctor Strange can make that work. I don't know if they would do that in the movies, but mm-hmm. that would be interesting. <laughs> I'd like to see but, it because uh, boy, you know, that blows the roof off everything at the end of that movie. Woo. Oh yeah. Well, and there's still you know plenty uh, to come coming up in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. So of course yes. we've got uh, Falcon and the Winter Soldier starting up in another week, um, with uh, Loki following up not too far behind that, and Woo-hoo! hopefully we'll get our Black Widow and Eternals. Yep. And well, I think Eternals has been delayed until next year now. Yeah. Yeah, I believe so. Uh, but but you know, we, we we should be getting Black Widow here in a few months. We'll have uh, Spider Man No Way Home coming up in December. So we've got a pretty packed uh, agenda for Marvel coming up here real soon. Yay! And they did definitely tease for Captain Marvel too. Yep, hopefully fe- hopefully featuring the better Captain Marvel, known as Monica Rambeau. There you go. Oh, I thought you were going to say somebody actually. I saw this on Facebook saying, you know, featuring the better Captain Marvel, now known as Shazam. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, Shazam, there's something interesting going on there. I haven't read the book yet, but apparently we no longer have a Black Adam. We have Shazadam. What? Okay. Yeah. That That's in the comics currently, or? Or is that that, that is in the current from? comics? Okay, because I, I I was I I got a, a few of the Shazam comics when they where they kind of rebooted the series, but I didn't get a chance to collect it all. But I know we still have a Black Adam movie yeah, this, with this the is Rock. Something... We're expecting. Mm-hmm. So you no, know, this is something. It's it's a very recent occurrence. So my uh, I don't know much more beyond that. So it'll be interesting to see what what information may be forthcoming from it. Yeah. And I'm still want to know when I get my jungle cruise movie. Cause I, that looked like it was going to be fun. <laughs> so, but I think that's everything yep. we have. I think for this we week. still, you think we still, yeah, I believe that's it. Yep. Because this has been a very long show, but Hey, I only get to do one of these every couple <laughs> weeks. So if we go near two hours, hopefully you just feel like you're getting your money's worth because after all it's for free. <laughs> there we go. There you go. Although we do appreciate Patreon support. And you know what? You're going to hear my voice coming in and talking about Patreon here really quick anyway. So I won't say anything about it now other than visit mypodcastreviews.com. But make sure you use my affiliate link, please. Thank you. Hey, thanks for listening to this week's episode of Neverland to Disney and beyond. And of course, I want to remind you to keep a pixie in your pocket. What do I mean by that? Well, that is that young at heart, positive thoughts that you're going to keep in your pocket and share it with other people. Pull out that pixie dust and share it. Make sure, of course, that you check our show notes right there in whatever app you're listening to. There's a way to find the show notes. Now, I don't know what app you're listening to, so I can't tell you the specifics, but go and check it out. Also, visit our website, NeverlandPodcast.com. Make sure that you leave us a nice review on whatever you're listening to, be it Apple or Google or Stitcher or just about anywhere. Leave us a nice review, and we appreciate that. And also, make sure you share the show with others because we like to bring other people into our community. 
And of course, make sure you visit our Patreon page, patreon.com slash Podcast. We appreciate all of your help to keeping the magic alive here in Neverland. And of course, if you're looking for a bit more fun, go search for us on YouTube, Neverland to Disney and Beyond. Until next week, like I said, keep a pixie in your pocket.